0: Hello, Cracker Barrel family, and welcome to the Barrelcast. Hope everybody's doing well out there. Excited for this uh, new episode of the Barrelcast. We're talking about a very, very, um, what I think is a pertinent subject uh, for what's going on out in the field today. Um, Selecting talent and staffing. And I think there have been things over the years that have been leading us up to this point.
1: You know, while I think COVID didn't help, it probably mm-hmm. exacerbated some of the, the the trends. But you think about the gig workforce. You think about mm-hmm. shortening tenure at, at, at jobs. Um, of course, you've got the federal unemployment. Like these things all led to where we are today. We'll probably go back or it, not back, but maybe make it a little bit easier as time goes on. But I think what you're going to find is that staffing, sourcing talent is going to continue to be a challenge. Um, mm-hmm. And also remember, we're in an industry, um, and I've been in an industry for 10 years, that's not seen necessarily as a place that I go. Mm-hmm. It sometimes is a place that I end up. Okay. Um, and it's a really distinct difference. And it's going to be up to us around how we can make it a place to go. And I think that's where we win. And that's where I think it could become easier. But that's a
0: it's a big challenge. Yeah. So kind of going off... A different tangent here. How do we do that? How, how do we make it a place where, and, and you may not have <laughs> an automatic answer for this, but if I'm a restaurant operator, a store manager, a district manager, I'm out there in the field, what are some of those tangible things that I can do to make it a place where people want to be? The employer of choice, right? We Sure, about. sure. So the nice thing is we have the infrastructure. So yeah.
1: we're starting in a really good place. And the infrastructure that I reference is par, right? Yeah. We have this, this competitive advantage that other restaurants don't have. Yeah. Having worked at other restaurants, we looked at Cracker Barrel as how do we do that? Like How mm-hmm. do we get to what they're doing? Um, with the levels of success. I think that if we continue to execute upon par, bringing rising stars in and moving them rapidly through and making them a par four, making them feel welcome, seeing that this is a career sure. um, and not thinking about it as a job, how we select individuals you know, is going to be critically important to find people who want to be here, while also recognizing that we do have this this uh, headwind that is this gig mentality where yeah. people want to work a bunch of different jobs. Mm-hmm. They don't want to work 40 hours a week and embracing those people because that's going to be the natural turnover that just continues to happen in the restaurants. And yeah. it's okay. Uh, we have, we need those people. Um, so it's how do you balance the two? And then the last piece is just engagement. It's yeah. once we have them in the door, how do we make them feel like this is home? And again, you look at our restaurants, it feels like home. Yeah. So we've got all of these really cool advantages, and then there's, you know, obviously career advancement opportunities to the home office, to retail, to I mean, there's just yeah. so much that people can do here.
0: Yeah. So kind of t- turning a- another gear here. So million dollar question, how do we pick the best talent? I know we're going to have misses, and I was having this conversation with the leader the other day, and, and my question to them was was how how do you how do you get better at selecting talent? You know? And I think their response was, well, it comes with repetition. It comes with experience. Um and, and you shoot a lot of shots and, and you and you learn from the, the ones you miss. So <laughs> and that's true. The best teacher is probably experience, but is there ways we can get better at selecting talent? Other than just, you know. Flaming out a bunch. <laughs> yeah, no, you absolutely can. And I think it's with intentionality, right? So when you think about the
1: selection process, first step to me is always understand your bias. Okay. And what I mean by that is understand the people, the types of person, what they look mm-hmm. like, their experiences that are naturally going to either make you believe everything they say or disbelieve everything they say. Okay. To me, that was a, a turning point in my own career around selection, understanding who it was that I was – just, I, I naturally gravitated to, yeah.
0: uh, and be aware of that during that. Was it someone like you? Was it hires in the past that worked out, and you're like, hey, that's kind of like Bop? Was it that? Or? It was, you know, it was for me personally, um, in kind of an inside moment, it was
1: single moms. For whatever reason, when I interviewed people who would indicate, or they told me at some point, I didn't ask, to yeah. be clear, <laughs> but when they would indicate to me that they were single moms, I tended to believe them more, and okay. I liked them as candidates more. I don't know why. Um, I'm sure there's some psychological reason why. <laughs> deep down inside. <laughs> yeah, deep inside. Um, but that is where I, I naturally, and as I've progressed in my career, sure. interviewing uh, doing an employee investigations, I have to be cognizant of the fact that I don't challenge that group of individuals nearly like I do others. Mm-hmm. So it's just something that, that I had to be aware of. And you do it's It's a little bit of looking at your past. Mm-hmm. Like it does get into a bit of a psychological exercise. But to get to the rest of your question – And this is going to sound overly simplistic, but we as people are terrible selectors of talent. And we Mm -hmm. put ourselves in a situation, an interview, where you have a belief about how you should behave. The candidate already knows, generally, how they're supposed to behave and the answers you want to hear. So you have to get out of that moment. So think about every interview that you've been in, either you've conducted or you've been the interviewee, and they've all been about the same. Don't even worry about the questions right now. Create a more natural environment. The interview setting is not a natural environment. Mm -hmm. Like how often do you have a conversation like an interview with anybody? Mm -hmm. So try to create a more natural environment. How do you do that? Don't sit down across the table from somebody in an interview. Have more small talk. Um, Allow for more silence. You know, candidates become very uncomfortable when you're not saying something, so they want to fill the dead air. And that's oftentimes where you learn about who they really are. Mm-hmm. Um, or they give you an answer and then maybe they give you a follow-up to that answer that's not quite as crisp and clean as the original answer. And then you just continue to, to let them talk. And they either you know, set themselves up on a pedestal or they dig themselves in a hole. Yeah. Um, so it's also putting people in real-world situations, like asking people to actually do the job Um, for a very brief amount of time, because otherwise that's called work. But ask them to do the job that you want them to do so that you can see them in action. Mm -hmm. Um, Because remember, the first time that you're ever going to see them in action is on that first day, or maybe not the first day, in the first week. And at that point, it could be too late. Like you may have just made a bad decision. Ask them to interact with the staff. Um, Ask them to just go up and introduce themselves to somebody and see if they're naturally inclined to do that. See if others like them. Um, so it's just think of the interview as a more iterative, um, flexible process than here I have a five-page interview guide. Sure.
0: So from a manager, if I'm, I'm interviewing potential managers, and this is you know, internally, externally, I mean, maybe if, if I'm putting myself in the, in the shoes of a DM or GM, maybe I'm having them kind of take a look at our dining room operations and our restaurant operations and getting intuitively what they, what they see. How much do you weigh experience in the industry versus um, kind of personality characteristics and things like that? For a manager position, I think that some experience
1: is necessary because sure. our environment is just different if they've only been in you know, let's say a a banking environment. It is different when you're around food and you're around guests that have... Pace. Yes, exactly. So you have to be... I think it's good, but I think we rely too heavily on that and naturally think, oh, you've been a GM for 10 years, therefore you're ultimately qualified. Well, how do you know that they were a good GM? Yeah. Like if they were a terrible GM at another concept they wouldn't be a good AM for sure. Cracker Barrel. So we have to think about you know that personality, their mental flexibility, um, their learning agility. Can mm-hmm. they learn? We have the training. So yeah. we can teach just about anybody to do the job. Um, and I'll use myself as an example. When I came on board going through MIT training, yeah. I had never run a shift at a Cracker Barrel. But yeah. after several weeks, I actually felt like, I think I could actually do this. Yeah, um, and I I think that that's a testament to our training. So my advice is back down on you know really wanting tons and tons of experience and look for that capacity and that capability
0: because yeah. we do we have historically and this is just this is TJ now speaking um, we we rely upon a hard skill set uh, managers who who have run businesses before and we look at their their history of, you know, did they run a store that was profitable and made food cost and and, and was high volume? And all those things are good, but there's so much more. And, hey, how did they achieve those results? and, And the leadership traits and abilities that have historically been really important force have probably changed in the last year and a half absolutely and think
1: about the the candidates that we're talking about yeah. at the hourly level they're not the same candidates as they were 10 years ago 20 years sure. ago they have a different expectation they want they they have a need to feel belonging mm-hmm. um, which happens to be you know a, a very important word part of our people yes. promise yeah. and it, having run a restaurant doesn't mean that you know how to make people feel like they belong somewhere, yeah. But being a great leader, you intrinsically generally understand that, yeah,
0: absolutely. So, and you mentioned the the training component. Shout out to Colorado Springs where you trained, right? Yeah, there you go. Scored two twenty seven, I think. But anyway, um, we've got the training tools. So, what do you think are some valuable resources? Um, you know, I, I know we'll throw out field HR person and town acquisition. Is is that kind of the first place? what are some tools and resources that you, you would yeah. throw out there? I mean, I think definitely the field HR manager, the talent acquisition manager, but
1: one of the most important resources that everybody overlooks is your existing team.
0: Yeah.
1: One of the, I mentioned earlier, this concept of creative sourcing and mm-hmm. creatively going after people. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I've found most successful is understand where your people spend time yes. because they don't all spend time on Indeed, on Snag a Job, on CareerBuilder. Those are Made up, right? Find out where people spend time and invest your time there. Be part of their community, what they do, and try to recruit from there. Um, so I think that that is one area that people overlook um, mm-hmm. immediately. They forget, like, where do you hang out? Yeah. Um, who are your friends? Referrals. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just don't spend time there. You know, your field HR and your town acquisition manager are only going to be able to do so much when you think about the job boards, right? Yeah. And you know, I kind of called this, gosh, almost 15 years ago where, you know, these monster career builder, everybody remembers these, these mm-hmm. websites, they have turned into largely software service companies. They're yeah. not really even significant job boards anymore. And this will continue to, they'll, they'll continue to trend away and you'll start to see more of uh, social, digital um, being the primary place that people are looking for jobs. Okay.
0: Um, so again, it's finding people where they are and recruiting from there. Excellent. That's some good stuff. So you know, this is kind of where I kind of want to bring the conversation home. It's really talking about the importance of it. So the saying goes is it's it's you never worry about having a bench until it's too late. And and this may be almost <laughs> I might be you know a few months too late because that this has really probably smacked a, a lot of us in the face over the last little bit. How would you? recommend this is a big question so for gms and rms and dms and rvps all of our field leaders what would it look like if if they really focused on bench strength and building internal talent how much of a benefit would that be is I'm really asking you know having the foresight to think about the bench and the talent. It gives you flexibility
1: uh, because it allows you to not have to make a bad decision because you don't have the bench. And how many times have we been put in a situation where we have a poor performer and we're afraid to move on her or him because I don't have anybody else. Um, And especially as a manager, um, you know, when we think about the associate manager level, how many times have we had to tolerate misaligned behavior because it's like the body that I have is better than not having one. Right. And it is hard because it, it, again, requires, I'll use this word again, intentionality. Yeah. So I think if you go back full circle and think about the, the kind of team-based hiring, you know, understanding what those team members, what their passions are, what they're good at, what they bring to the team, and continuing to develop that and also cross-develop, right? So mm-hmm. maybe someone is more of an introvert and they need more extroversion. You know, pair them up and have them work with someone who naturally is, is more of that ilk. But I think it is around intentionality, around making sure you know who's next up. Mm -hmm. And then the last piece, and this is one of the ones we, again, forget to ask, is have you asked what somebody wants to be when they grow up? Like, have you just spent the time to say, hey, TJ, you've been a dishwasher for us for five years. What do you want? TJ may say, I I really want to be a manager, but no one has ever asked me. Sure. And people really do think that way. They're, Mm -hmm. They're waiting for someone to ask. They're not always comfortable raising their hand, so ask your team. And even if none of them say they want to grow, the fact that you asked has just created a and sense of belonging. Yeah.
0: Yes, and that too. Yeah, excellent. So this, you know, kind of recapping a little bit, and this is a good, good conversation. It, the talent selection piece there is a little bit that that experience weighs into it. But being intentional and leaning heavily into the experience is what I, you know. I heard you say, and you used the word you know intentional a few times. Um, getting people up, kind of throwing away what we had these preconceived notions of interviewing and 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 um, you know move away from from traditional sourcing methods and into social and and and. and So on and so forth. So those are kind of the big pieces that you would leave it with. Anything else that kind of last words that you'd leave with the selecting talent piece? You know,
1: I think have fun with it. Mm -hmm. I think we we view it as such a business process, and we're very stoic when it comes to the interview. I've found some of the best interviews have been, I laugh half of the interview, because you're really learning something about that person. You're learning what motivates them, what demotivates them, and you get an insight into them as a real human, um, that is going to come out. Yeah. So whether it comes out, I'd rather it come out in the interview than 30 days into their their employment when you realize, oh heavens, that's not what I what I wanted. <laughs> so let's get it out earlier and just create that environment where it can come out.
0: Yeah. Excellent. Appreciate it. Yeah, that's a good. <laughs>